Okay, this is Lenny D'Angelo. Uh, I'm going to stop defending my thought process here and just continue. Uh, clockwise to color wheel and music. Interesting diversion. So, here's what I'm finding about music. Learning music. Learning music again in, as an adult. And the funny thing about learning as an adult, and I've probably been over this before. Uh, I never really questioned things. I didn't fully understand them, but I didn't really care as a kid. You know? It would be like, you give me a high concept, and you tell me he's a, he, these are the rules here. And I would go, okay. I don't get it. And then somebody's be like, no, no, no. Here's, these are the rules. Memorize the, this multiplication table. And I go, okay. I don't get it. Uh, but I would memorize it anyway. And I still know 7 times 7 is 49. I don't know why. <laughs> I have no idea why. To this day. Uh, 7 sets of 7 equals 49. Basic addition, of course. But I only know that because later. I figured it out, right? It came up later when I was doing my fucking taxes or something. I don't know. Anyway, uh, same thing with this. Music theory. Coming across, learning music again as an adult, and I'm finding all these why questions. And the questions can be answered, I think, in part with this connection I'm drawing between the color wheel and the clock face and the musical octave. Now, again, an octave should be eight things, and it is, and it, it also is not. So it's eight letters of the alphabet, if you repeat the first one, just like a clock has, uh, you know, you repeat the 12 to, to complete your cycle. You can go from A through G back to A and complete a whole cycle. It's actually seven letters, but one of them is repeated, so you end up with eight. Eight full letters to represent an octave, which is a complete uh, transit chromatic transition from one note to the other note in a higher pitch, a higher register. This is basic music. I think we all sort of intuit this sort of thing just from being music uh, 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 consumers of music. What you don't maybe don't know if you haven't reinvestigated music as an adult or studied music again, or for the first time, is that that notation system uh, is, is quite arbitrary and weird and complicated. Uh, here's why. If you look at a, at a real octave in music, there are actually 12 notes represented in an octave. Why are there 12? Well, because there are half notes in between the notes that are that make up the eight. There are half notes, half pitches. What, 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 you say? I know, it's weird. So, and, and on a stringed instrument, this is obvious. If you look at a guitar, even you, if you haven't played a guitar, you know on the neck there are these raised these ridges, much like a potato chip. Not like a lace potato chip, but like a Ruffles potato chip. There are ridges on the neck of the instrument. Those ridges represent the steps in an octave. And there are multiple octaves on the neck of a guitar, for example. But they're still represented there. Now, every one of those raised areas there is a, is a, a half step between two notes. 
And every two of those raised areas represents a whole change in pitch from one note to another. So for A to G, A to, to B, for example, is two of those uh, frets is what they're called, the raised areas there. Here's where it gets stupid and confusing with music. There are like a hundred ways to represent this particular uh, 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 phenomena or system that's been developed. And it's over a thousand years old, so it's a friggin' mess. The problem is, if you read music, if you look at that, that five-line five barred thing that, that represents musical uh, writing, written music, they're only... You only go up, you basically, you move up a line or a space, depending on, on when, you, when you change from one note to another, you move up a line or a space. So, for example, from A to B, on a musical notation, uh, bard thing, the stave, as it's, or staff, as it's called, uh, basically, the second space, not the second line, but the space in between the second and third line. That's an A note. That's the, the, the place where you would write A, the note A. And the B uh, is the third line. Basically one motion above that. I'm not going to use the word step because it gets confusing. So a space is an A and the line is a B. And the one above that is a C. The space above that is a C. And the one above that, the line above that is a D. So you count both lines and spaces, okay? But it doesn't, it doesn't skip any. You don't move up twice to go up a note. On the actual octave system, however, because there are, more, there are half spaces in between the eight, that are, the aforementioned eight, the dirty eight, the ungrateful eight, uh, you have to go up two, you, you move two positions to, to, to go up one note. It's, it's so hard to talk about, jeez. No wonder I have to listen to a hundred audiobooks and read a bunch of lectures and whatever to understand this. And I still don't understand what am I getting at? This is actually more effectively represented on the clock face and the color wheel everybody so much more effectively and so much simpler it still has its ridiculous complications which i will get to but on the color wheel instead of so okay what was my point instead of instead of the neck of your guitar or your stringed instrument representing very directly the musical notation system the the five lined bar thing the staff, uh, they're not related at all. So if it followed the bar and the staff thing, and you're looking at the neck of your guitar, you could go, oh, there are, there are five, I can count five of these raised areas and just put my fingers either in the spaces or on the raised areas to create the notes that are written down. That would be awesome, right? Somebody could do that electronically, but that ain't how the physics of stringed of plucking strings works. The staves are not there to represent the note. The staves are there to interrupt the string in such a way as to raise the pitch of the string. Basically, increase the vibration of the string. As you, uh, as you have or third or quarter a string, 
the vibrations uh, per second or per millisecond or whatever increase. And that creates a higher pitched sound. That's all I can tell you about the physics of that. That's as far as I go. Beyond this point, we do not venture. I don't want to get into any of that stuff. I don't want to get into the hurts of it because it hurts. You know what I mean? Okay. Two, it hurts my brain. Here's what I would like to say. Reading music and doing the act of making the music, except on a piano, is a lot harder than it looks. Is all I'm sure. Which should go without saying, I think. Everybody goes without saying. Especially on a stringed instrument. Because a stringed instrument, the physics of what's going on is very obvious and it's very very tangible with your hands. On a, on a brass instrument like I played in the old days, I played a woodwind. Uh, I played a, a, a alto... No, I'm sorry. Tennis sax. Tennis. Is that right? Alto. It was an alto sax, that's right. The one in the, mid, in the middle there. Tennis sax is a big one. I didn't want to lug that around. My thing was heavy enough. On a woodwind instrument, all the keys that you're pressing, and it's complicated as well, but it's a lot like a piano. I mean, it's the note, you know what the note is, and you just you, you do combinations of keys to do that. That is hard too. Don't get me wrong. No offense to the woodwind section of the orchestra. My hat's off to you, all right? Nothing but respect. However, the instrument is tuned already. With a stringed instrument, it's, it's, there's the physicality. You, the instrument is also tuned, but any changes in pitch are done with your fingers, and it's very, it's very obvious what's happening with the string. There's a, you're basically you're, uh, cutting the string in, in sections in order to, to raise the pitch. Uh, okay, enough said about that. My point is, when you're reading the music on the, the representational staff, it doesn't tell you the, the music theory behind what's going on. The, re- the way that it's written does not move up half and whole steps. It has a, if it did, it would have more lines than you could keep track of with your eye. I think that's why. I learned in art class. In art history, there was an art history class that I sat through, reading books in the back. That was that was a semester I flunked out of community college. Everybody, oh, let me just put that out there. This guy flunked out of community college, first semester. Thank you. And there's a reason for that. It's because I was reading books in the back of the class when I should have been paying attention. And I would go out to lunch and I wouldn't want to come back. That was, that was a hard time for me. I was going through some things. That's all I got to say for myself. One thing I got out of that art history class, though, sitting in the back reading books, is that the... Uh, <laughs> this, this proves I wasn't paying attention. The Pantheon, I believe, or the Parthenon. Which one's in Greece? Ironically, I've seen one of them, and it was in Rome. That was the Pantheon. The, the Pantheon. The Parthenon is in Greece, I believe. And if I'm wrong about that, you forgive me because I was not paying attention either. Rome was a hard place to be and I was having a bad day. I saw the thing. Give me a break. I believe the, the, the Parthenon is in Greece. Either way, they both do it. 
there's a rhythm to the columns. There's a certain number of columns that you can see, and I believe it's five. Five is the most that a human eye can recognize and still count without actually doing the physical counting. That's what I learned in my Art History 101 class when I was reading books in back. So it just so happens the same is true with the with the staff of the reading reading musical staff that five lines you can kind of keep track of with your eye and it takes practice I'm not saying this comes naturally but it, you can keep track of it with your eye uh, without having to actually physically count now I'm not there yet but I have found that it's true you can find the middle point really easily with your eye you don't have to count up you know four places and then go down half. You, you, you could just sort of, you visually sort of have a, a concept of five. My point being that if the, if the staff followed the same rules as the musical, uh, as the octave, it would have what, six? No, it would have 12 lines, and then you'd have to, you'd have to count a lot, and you'd have to go up twice to do one note and all that. But I'm coming around to this. There are actually 12 notes in an octave. It's just they're only represented by eight or seven letters, actually, and one of them's repeated to complete the octave. The others are called half spaces or semitones, uh, the, uh, depending on what part of the country you're in or the, the world you're in. I'm going to use tone and semitone. I always like that very much, but step and half step, it's much clearer. Just, that's what I'm talking about. But the, the British, they've got all these weird ways. They're not weird, they're, they're tradition, but they call them, have all kinds of fun names for everything, and it's not necessarily clear. Americans, we broke it down, although we rejected the metric system. Uh, enough said about all that. They're too divergent, everybody. Tones, semitones, steps and half steps, same thing. A tone is represented by a letter. A half step or a semitone is represented by that same letter with a sharp or a flat symbol. A sharp or flat is essentially the same thing, which is very confusing, but it's the truth. The steps in between the two tones or steps, the half steps or semitones, are either a sharp of the note before or a flat of the note after. That's that's that. And there are 12 of them. There are so there are eight uh, or seven actually of the of the full tones. And what does that leave? Uh, is that five of the semitones? I can't do my friggin' math. Seven, eight. Yeah, the five of the semitones. This is very hard to understand until you look at it on a clock face or a color wheel. And even then, like I said, there's two, two little complications that throw this whole friggin' thing off. Here's where I come full circle. No pun intended or pun intended because it's the, the, an octave makes a circle from one pitch to another. The end of the octave is the same as the clock. Now, here's where my half-day analogy from before breaks down, because this is more like a full day. You know how we repeat 12 twice in the, in the, in the clock-face day? 
in the, the time-telling day, we repeat 12 twice. Once for noon and once for, for uh, midnight. Those are two versions at the same time, right? We've, now, I know it's all arbitrary, but follow me here. Imagine it's literal, and that noon is half the day, and midnight is the end of the day. Midnight is darker than noon, so let's go from midnight to noon. It's as if we went from a lower note, a darker note, lower in pitch, to noon, which is a higher in pitch, by making uh, two circles on a clock face. Is that? No, that's only one. One circle on a clock face. We've gone from a lower pitch to a higher pitch, from noon to midnight. Isn't that interesting? Is it interesting? I think it's very interesting because it allows you to understand how the sound works, which the musical notation system does not do. I mean, it does go up. It goes from bottom to top, which gives you some indication that you're going up in pitch, but it doesn't show you the half and the whole steps. But on a clock face and on a color wheel... You can see those half steps represented and the whole steps represented. How so? And and how does that work? Well, I was thinking that I, it would be best to orient the clock face and the color wheel so that the note A is in the 12 o'clock or the yellow position. I'm wrong about that. That is not correct. And here's why. Because the most common set of notes and the most common key signature is, is called the C. And it's called C, middle C, or C, because it starts at the letter C in the, in the whole. So unfortunately, uh, because it's over a thousand years old, they decided to, nobody ever reset this thing when they had, all, when they had figured it all out. They were already working with it. Much like the Americans working with the with the ruler, and we didn't want to mess with it. We've we got a lot invested in this ruler. We don't want to change it too much. It works enough, but you got to know a lot of things to make it work. So C, I realize, is is the third letter of the uh, of the musical alphabet there, and it only goes up to G and then repeats at A, which is also confusing. How are you supposed to remember that? I don't know. I'm sorry, I don't know. I don't have an answer for that. It's, it seems very difficult to remember that. Or understand it or conceptualize it. As a child, I would have taken it at face value. Now I'm having a real hard time with it. But let's just say we start at C and we end at C and we position C, the letter C, at the 12 o'clock or the yellow position on a color wheel. And we only go to G, and then we repeat to A, and then we end at C. Just, if you will, if you can, follow that far with me, I think we can make progress on the concept here, mapping the musical uh, 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 tone, semitone octave onto the color wheel, onto the clock face, starting with the 12 position in the yellow at C. But there's a lot of givens in this scenario that I have no way to explain. And that's upsetting. When something's over a thousand years old, you know, you know what it's like. It's like one of those old cities. 
like uh, the lower boroughs in New York, or uh, or, uh, or you go to you go to a European city or something, right, or whatever. Not, you know, if you go to a newer place, you know, uh, you know, the Upper West Side or whatever. Some of the places are fine; they got it all worked out. But the older parts of the city, Lower East Side or whatever, those places are not so clean. They don't they don't follow a grid. You can't walk a block over and a block up and a block over like you're on a on a oh, Cartesian coordinate grid to bring the whole thing around. I can't go positive X and negative Y to get to you know 21st Street or whatever. It that it ain't gonna work like that. You know what I mean? That's upsetting. Because a newer city, it's logical, it makes sense. The older city, you got to kind of know your way around. you got to feel it out. you got to understand that, that, you know, one of these streets runs diagonally. The other one runs, you know, southeast or whatever. And you got to freaking, oh, we got to go down a block and over over three blocks. And then go diagonal for five blocks. And then we'll be there. That's a, that's upsetting. That's a, That's confusing. And for anybody who's visiting a strange city, which I've been known to do, uh, this can be difficult. Oh, if you go to rural parts of the, of the, if the East Coast, for example, everything's like, oh, there's a river there, so we don't go that way. We gotta go around a river, and there's a mountain here, and all that. It's very confusing. Ah, don't go that way, you get lost in the Adirondacks. How do I get to Lake George from here? Oh, you gotta go up this highway, whatever, and then, and then around the, 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 the whatever, the, the bend there, there's a Cumberland Farms on a corner, you gotta go around that, and then you, you get, you get, it's stupid, look for the old general store, with the cigar smoking Indian out front, wait, is it, is this Indian made of wood, no, 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 it's a guy, and, and I'm sorry I called him Indian, he's Pakistani, but he smokes cigars, he's always out there, that's not a fun joke, right? I can't say things like that. <laughs> okay. Color wheel. All right. Clockwise, the color wheel in music theory. Where where are we going next? I have no idea. Somewhere out there by Lake George. Okay. This is Lenny D'Angelo. God.